And so we've been going through this series, right, Overflow. And after this week, we will have overflowed. This is the last week of the series of Overflow. And um, we've been talking about a lot of different things. There is a book that we have. Uh, there's a link to it online. We literally allowed the book to kind of guide us through. It's been super fun for me. I love evangelism. I've been excited about this. Everyone who's been speaking on it loves it. We've had a lot of great comments about what God's been doing. And um, yeah, and so what we, what we really want this series to do is mobilize you. Like get you fired up, experience the presence of God in church, and then take that out into the world. And Acts 1, 4 to 8 is kind of like, is kind of the scripture that they use. And I'm going to read that in a minute. But, um, but the journey we've been on, I just want to recap very briefly, is the first week we talked about waiting in power, that nothing can happen with the power of the Spirit. Nothing. Nothing at all. All right? Moving from comfort to crisis, to the, into the crisis of other people, choosing to move towards them because Christ suffered and moved towards us. The third week was about risking, that it requires risk, and that risk is good because when we risk, it grows our faith. And the greater our faith grows, the more we experience the Spirit, the love of God, and uh, depend on Him, and our, you know, all those things. It's good stuff. And then we talked about the importance of holiness. Brian talked about it. It's a great talk, number four. And that as we pursue holiness and we become more holy, it's not because we're legalistic, but because when we begin to look and experience and act more like Jesus, people are drawn to Him in us. And so that's why we pursue holiness, because of love not because of legalism, okay? And then we talked about, we kind of shifted in week five, where I talked about, okay, that's what it is. Now we're talking about how we do it. And how does the gospel go out through you in creative ways, through your gifts, your talents, and your abilities, and that there is a unique place in the kingdom of God in Jacksonville that you've been created to go exercise those gifts. It's fun, it's exciting, and yeah, I mean, you're gonna love it when you do that. Because that's week five. And then we talked about Jerusalem here, uh, and the people, that's your community, that's people that you know and people you don't know. And we talked about the different people that need to be loved in our city and that we can get lulled asleep uh, being in our communities. And we mentioned different groups of people. This is the, the one we talked about, sex offenders, and how all of their information is listed on the web. They're around us, literally. We can go to them. We know where they live. We can pray for them. Wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be awesome if we began a ministry to People who were sex offenders. Don't know any other churches that do that. And half of you were terrified and said, oh man, that was kind of awful. Well, that was right, but agree that this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, there's a story, one of the people that, um, that I talked, someone, people have been coming to me and just telling me different things that God's been doing. It's been crazy. And um, I want to share a few of those. But um, they talked about how they went on the web, they typed in sex offenders, comes up, their address, it comes up, these people around him, and they started walking, and they said, well, I'm going to walk by their house, because I walk by there anyway, and, you know, the guy was in the front yard, sitting there, and this guy in our church prayed for him, he waved to him, he goes, you know, I waved to him all the time, I mean, that's crazy, you know, you just never know these things, and so it creates a paradigm, right, that a lot of this happens just because of a tweak, a paradigm shift. Our antenna goes up and we begin to see people differently. We begin to feel like, wait, I'm in a relationship because I have purpose. And my purpose is to be a witness. And I am to be a witness in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. 
And so we've been talking about that, that we are created to be witnesses. And then last week, Josh did a great job. And you remember one thing, like if God's out there doing stuff, how would you believe? What would you do? If you knew God was doing stuff, how would you act? And he's just like, go do something. Just try it. I tried it and I failed. If I failed and tried it, like you can go try it too. It's okay if you fail. That one of the greatest freedoms we have as a Christian in Christ is to fail. And the more we fail, the more we need Jesus, the greater our faith, the more we risk. Christ is the comfort. It all works together. It's a big plan, a little ball of plans, okay? And so today we're moving to, from Judea to Samaria and the ends of the earth, okay? And this is chapters 9 and 10. 10 talks about going to the ends of the earth and then like being empowered to do that. The name of the talk is, uh, the name of today's sermon is Talk is Cheap. Okay, and then chapter 9 is about, like, who are the Samaritans? What does it really look like to go to the Samaritans in our community or in the world? And uh, it's going to challenge you. This talk is going to challenge you. It's the last one. And so, like, I don't have to worry about you being angry next week and not coming because it's Easter. You're coming. You're coming next week. So if I offend you, I don't mean to. I'm speaking to myself whenever I do these talks. I'm someone who um, I have learned and become a master at uh, speaking about the love of Jesus. But I struggle, like everyone in here, about loving people with the love of Jesus. And so in this talk, I will get excited, okay? But don't, you know, don't think that that excitement is about being angry at you, or frustrated, or disappointed, or like, this church is horrible, I'm starting a new one, you know? No, it's none of that. It's that I get fired up, and I want you to get fired up about bringing the kingdom of God, exercising your gifts, taking risks, moving out of comfort. Because if you choose to stay in comfort and don't risk and surround, your peop- surround yourself with people that are just like you in every way, you're, you're boring. That is so boring. You are a boring Christian, right? Our world does not need boring Christians, Okay. There's a lot of them. We don't want to be them, okay? Not for only the world's sake, but for your sake. It's a whole lot more fun. It's way more fun being risky and crazy. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my word. It's way more fun. And there is a history in our church at the street corner ministry every week from 8 to 9.30. You show up, and there's people to pray for. There's people who are sick. There's people who need love. There's people who we hand out food to. We go on prayer walks around the community. There was gunfire one time. Boom, yeah, that's risky, right? That's exciting. No one was hurt. What a great story to be able to tell to your grandkids one day. I was walking through the neighborhood. I heard gunfire. I hit the deck. Nobody was hurt because the shield of the angels surrounded me with the presence of the Lord. Yeah, that happened, right? I mean, you don't know. I'm just saying, that just came to me. Words of wisdom right there. All right? And so that's exciting. That's fun. There's every Saturday that's there. That's a ministry of our church. It's been happening from the beginning. People show up every single Saturday. They're doing that, representing our church. And they have incredible stories. A little girl came up to me one time, and she pulled me aside in worship. She pulled me over that wall, and she said, she said, I was praying for people. There's people, Antley, that I was at the street corner, and I was praying for people. And she said, Antley, do you know... There are people at the street corner that don't know who Jesus is. Do you know that? There are people there who don't know who Jesus is. And then she, and then she said, she said, 
we have to pray for them. And she just started weeping. She just started weeping. Because the Spirit came, filled her with his heart. With his heart. Isn't that what we want? Don't we want a heart that weeps for the poor? Don't we want a heart that has an emotional reaction towards the lost? Don't we want to have a heart that drives us to care for people and love people that nobody else is? People that are dying around us that need to know who Jesus Christ is? That's what this series is about. We're going to talk about that a little more today. We've helped you, though. We have these things called living let. Living letters, delivering the gospel to others through our lives. And it just kind of helps you kind of see a transitionary way to get from, okay, this is new to me. I'm gonna, and it's kind of broken up like country, state, city, street address. And you move from like broad, hey, what's going on? Just chilling out. Let's go get a coffee. Just hanging out with people, right? And then it's kind of like, okay, physical needs, like what's going on, physical needs. And then emotional needs, right, moving on. And then spiritual needs and talking about Jesus, Okay, so it's just kind of something for you to have so you don't have to go like A to Z in the first time. Okay, how you doing? Do you know my friend Jesus? Because I'm about to tell you about him. Yeah, don't be one of those Christians, okay? Unless you get a prophetic word, wisdom, knowledge, or whatever, and then there'll be power, and it'll be like on like Donkey Kong. Okay, so we have these everywhere out there. We were going to pass them out in your seats, but we didn't because we want you to have to make a choice to begin this journey for yourself. I can preach on blue in my face. I can say all the right things. I can make you cry. I can do whatever. But in the end, this is about you choosing to engage, choosing to be obedient because of the love of Jesus Christ and that he was obedient to the Father and that he came for you, that he rescued you, and that he has called us to do the same. But you have to choose. You have to choose it. Okay, and so chapter, I'm going to go backwards, and chapter 10 starts, it talks about, you know, basically this guy's a pastor, and he's like, you know, it really stinks that pastors are giving this message right now. And he goes on to say, because it demonstrates a model that if you talk about something, it's kind of like doing it, like, like I've done my job if I talk about it. Now, I love my job. I love preaching to you. I love motivating you. One of the words that has been spoken over me was actually spoken over me today by someone that was reminded of me. He says, Daniel, you're a fire starter. You're a fire starter. You start fires, and then they grow, okay? And so what I know God is doing is that there are fires burning in you right now. The Spirit is living in you. The fires rested on the disciples, and there is a fire in you right now. It's been started, not because of me, because of the Spirit working through me and the power of the gospel. You have heard it, and it is beginning to glow. But again, it will take you to engage and move forward in that for it to set ablaze, for it to have impact beyond you. Okay, but he talk about what's easy about talking about things, not just me, but you, is, is, that, um, is that there's a part of our brain, the medial cortex, how about that, I remembered it, and uh, the medial cortex, and when you talk about something, it releases dopamine, okay? It releases dopamine, and that dopamine makes you feel happy, right? Happy, happy, happy. There's some other things that dopamine is released from, too. There's one that is uh, exercise, belly laughing, and then the other one I can't talk about, right? And so dopamine is released. We're happy. It's good, okay? 
that can come from just talking because even though you haven't done it, you fantasize about doing it. You're talking about doing it. And your brain goes, oh, that'd be so fun. <laughs> Dopamine, right? And so what happens is, I mean, this is just like science. And so it, like the enemy uses that to say, well, you don't need to go now. You feel happy about not going. Like you're talking about it. And social media like crushes us in this direction too. We write like cool little catchy things on Facebook or we Instagram like we're driving by and we see a poor person like, and we just keep on moving, fired up on Instagram, right? And we're looking for like comments and likes and what's happening with comments and likes. Dopamine, dopamine, pop, 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 right? And so like my job's done. This is awesome. I feel I am satisfied the gospel. And so that's a real struggle that you need to know about. And you need to press through because words, if they don't lead to action, are a waste. The pen is mightier than the sword only if it leads you to action. Only. And these things, these other things, will cause you to be actionless. You might think the right way. You might know the right thing to do. You might dream about it. You might think this will be great. I can't wait to do it. But you never do because the words are actionless. In Romans, it says this. Paul says in 15, 17 to 18. Therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus and my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and by what I have done. And then Paul goes on in another place and he says, and he can say this, because of this sentence, because it's what he has said and he's done it, he's followed through. He can say, because I know, because I've experienced that the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but a matter of power. The kingdom of God, growing the kingdom of God is a matter of the power of the gospel going out. That's how the kingdom of God grows. It's the power of the gospel. We're talking about singing Jesus' name. Jesus is naming your power. All that stuff about Jesus. Wonderful. I mean, all that stuff just about Jesus. Jesus. We're singing Jesus. Jesus. Well, why is that? Because there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Nigeria, there was this evangelist recently. This is on YouTube. You can go see it. He's preaching to 1.2 million people. 1.2 million people. He shares the gospel. A wave of the Spirit comes, and everyone is knocked down. Every single person, a wave, and you can see it in the video. They're knocked down. Everyone was saved. Why? The power of the gospel. That's the power of the gospel. And that's another reason we don't step out and share the gospel. It's because we haven't experienced and seen the power of the gospel in our life. And you're not going to see it unless you go out and do it. You have to do the stuff. That's what John Wimber says. You have to go out. You have to risk that Jew, I mean, that joker's a normal guy. He lives in Gainesville, Florida, which is God's country, but still, I mean, <laughs> you know? I mean, it's just what it is, okay? And that's why we've been saying, just like Joshua's just saying, go out and do something. Just go out and do something. Just go out and try something. It's okay. Just go do something, and you'll see the power of the gospel. And we've, we, we've seen that this week. There's a story that someone told me. They said, a, you know, a plumber came over to the house, right? The giving them a quote, working around their house. And uh, the plumber was supposed to go underneath the house. But he couldn't crawl because he had a rotator cuff tear. 
And so he couldn't get on his elbows and shimmy, 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 right? And so he, I love Graham a lot. He just laughs at everything I say, all right? And so shimmy, 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 right? And so this, this guy says, well, let me pray for your shoulder. Because he's, there's like an antenna up right now. And all of us, it's just kind of like, boink, it's just right there, little antenna. He, and so he says, let me pray for your shoulder. And he prays for the guy's shoulder, and it begins to get hot, okay? And so this person is feeling his shoulder, it's getting hot. And then the guy, who's like, he's like, oh, man, like, something's happening. And so he, like, moved it a little bit, and there's a little more pain, there's, there's less pain. And so then he put his hand on it again and prayed for it again, and the shoulder was totally healed. And when, when this person was healing, you know, praying for him, he goes, man, are you one of those Pentecostal, Pentecostal Christians? <laughs> no, I'm a Christian that does the things that I see being done in Acts because the same spirit is living in me. The same gifts are being given to me that are given to the people in Acts. And I have to use them because they're, they're powerful. The gospel is powerful. That's powerful. I know we hear those stories and you're like, I want that to happen. Well, it's not going to unless you go for it and do it and ask for God to bring people into your life with that opportunity. And then when the opportunity's there, you can go. And you can mess up. My kids called me Ofer. When we got back from England, I was praying for them like crazy. Ofer one, Ofer two, Ofer three, Ofer four. Dad, seriously, you going to pray for me again? Still got a fever, right? I don't care. I was just praying. I knew eventually something was going to happen, right? Francis McNutt, Christian Healing Ministries, he says, I don't heal more people. I just pray for more people. I just pray for more people. And because I pray for more people, more people are healed. So it looks like I have this like superpower or whatever. I, he asked him to pray for me one time, and we were done. He said, well, okay, now you pray for me. I have a cold. I was like, oh, snap. I couldn't speak. So I just started mumbling in tongues or something. But it wasn't tongues. It was just trying to get me out of there. All right? Okay. So Samaria, go out and do it. I did pray for him. He's like Jesus. You just cannot not. He's amazing. Okay. Chapter 9 is about Samaria. Who is it? Who are they? I'm going to unpack this just real quick. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Okay. So this is a little bit about Samaria. And some of you might have, might have read this somewhere or heard this. Okay. The pay, I mean, uh, Samaritans were like, Jewish people, pagan people that had babies together and started families. So it was like a half-breed, like, orphan, stepchild nation, okay? And they multiplied like rabbits. And so they just started taking over. And the Jews hated them. They hated them. There's a quote in the book that says that that they, they bred like crazy and infested the land like cockroaches and were just as disgusting. That's the exegetical, like that's how he worked it out whenever he was, I mean, it didn't say those words, but that was the kind of emotion that they had towards them. And I can just see Jesus kind of saying this, right? He's like, and so be my witnesses in Jerusalem. They're like, uh-huh, okay, we got that, Jesus. In Judea, oh yeah, we got that, Jesus. And Samaria, oh snap, Jesus, what are you telling us to do? You're crazy, those Samaritans, those cockroaches, I don't know about that, and to the ends of the earth. And they would have been like, all right, we got Jerusalem guys, Judea first, and Samaria later, and maybe we'll be killed by then, right? Because they had this inside of them, but that would have been the peace, right? 
that would have driven them to the upper room. They would have known like, oh, we need God now. We need God to change our heart now because I hate, I hate those jokers. That would have been the peace, the uncomfortable peace, the Samaritans, the things in our life that we want to avoid, the people in our life that we want to avoid, the people in our life that we judge, the people in our life that make us uncomfortable or make us comfortable because they're here and we are here. And so to go here is just like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Now, here's the deal. When Jesus says Samaria and to the ends of the earth, you know what he's saying? My gospel is for everyone everywhere. My gospel is for everyone, everywhere, period. Loving people like Jesus requires you to love people, love people like the people that Jesus loved. I came up with that. (laughs) And that was a word from the Lord right there. I was on that board. Loving people like Jesus requires you to love people like the people that Jesus loved. And Jesus loved Samaritans. Jesus used Samaritans as an example to shame the Jews. Jesus used the broken and the lost. It's called the Anavim, the people on the fringe of society, to communicate to us and to show us this is who I've come for. Not only for, but for them and for everybody else up to me. For everyone. That is who my gospel is for. And we see him model this, right? We see him model this um, whenever he goes. There's a lot of different places. You know, the road to Jericho, the lost, or the um, who is my neighbor, and Samaritan rescues them. Why? Shame the Levites. Shame the Jews. Like, you knew better. You blew it off, and this Samaritan did this to you. Did this. Who's my neighbor? Everyone's your neighbor. Same message. He sees the woman at the well, right? And John tells us, he had to go through Samaria in John 4.4. He had to. Really? Did Jesus have to go four miles out of his way? Because he did. Did he have to? Did he have to? Yes, he had to. Jesus chose to because he had to. Jesus chose to go because he had to go. And he had to go because he knew that was the gospel. That's who my father came for, the sick, the least, the last, the lost. So he had to go out of his way. We have to go out of our way if we're going to share the power of the gospel with everyone. It requires us to go out of the way. And the disciples were like ticked off. I mean, again, this was not only a Samaritan, this was a woman. Not just, he's not even supposed to talk to women. And she was by herself at the well, not even supposed to talk to her by the well. And they were outraged. They were mad at him because he was even talking to her. But Jesus is like, this is the gospel. I can't be like, sign language, like, cross Jesus, died, rise again. I mean, you have to speak to people if you're going to share the gospel with them. And in order to speak to them, you have to be with them. You have to go to them. And Jesus is modeling, this is what the gospel looks like. And yet we kind of choose not to even be seen with them. They live there. We live here. I'm safe. They're dangerous. What about my kids? What if they do? What if this? What if that? And we're afraid. It's fear. It's fear. And, and this, it's not fear like you might think it's fear. 
It's a much sadder fear. We fear in the church. We are afraid of what other people in the church and what other churches will think about us if we hang out with or minister to people that the church has named as a sinner. Antley, why are we having a life course at a bar? I just, I'm not going if we're having a life course at a bar. Because that's where the lost are. You know how many people were not dark in the doors of this church? Thousands and thousands and thousands. So are we going to allow what other churches say about us to determine how we share the gospel with people that no one else is sharing the gospel? Heck no, we're not. There were ministries that banned their leaders and their people from coming to our church in the beginning because we had the life course at a bar. So that bothered me. It was a bummer. But the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, we are right. This is the gospel. We are going after people. Even if it means we hang out and have a course at the bar. Because that's where the lost hang out. They don't hang out in here. Right? Hey, it's Friday night. Let's go party at the church. RCC's got a kicking sanctuary. We'll chill. We might steal a guitar on the way out. It'll be epic. Let's go. No. No. You don't even do that. You'll go to bars with each other. You'll go to bars with each other. Right? You'll go to all these places where, these, where folks are hanging out. You'll go there with them, with each of You won't go with them. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. You're afraid. You're afraid what people will say. Jesus was accused of being a drunkard, which means what? He was hanging out with drunkards. He was drinking. He smelled like a drunkard probably, but he wasn't a drunkard. But he had to have been with them. He had to have been, and he got criticized for it. All the things that, would, that people would have had to have seen or experienced or smelled or whatever, Jesus was involved with for him to be labeled that way. And he was labeled when he was with women of prostitution. He was labeled whenever he was with adulterers. He was labeled when he touched leopards. Uh, leopards. leopards. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus? I heal myself. <sighs> right? But he'd been seen with him drinking. And you're thinking, not my sweet Jesus. Not my sweet Jesus. See, Jesus, not you. Yes, sweet Jesus is bumming around with the broken. We see this. That is the power of the gospel, going with the gospel. That is the gospel. Everyone, anywhere, anytime, everyone he's come for. Okay, so I have this video I want to show you. And this video is about, um, it was sent to me through an email. It's about uh, Natalie Schof's sister produced it, Amy Schof. And it takes place in Los Angeles. And there's this guy that sings on the street who's homeless. Okay? And um, he has an addiction to crack. They bump into him. They bump into him. And then they begin to tell the story in this movie about how a little love, a little comfort, a little support transforms this dude's life. And it's coming to the Sunray Theater on April 7th. 
and she's going to come and talk about questions. And I would encourage you, every single one of you, to go see this film, okay? And so this is a, is a clip of her sister, the producer, and the other, I forget what she does, like the director of the movie. Um, but it says this. It says this. The name of the movie is In Mighty, Gra- In Mighty Ground. Ronald Troy Collins makes his way through the days by singing to people on the streets of downtown Los Angeles. As with most of the homeless, Collins is nearly invisible to the majority of passersby, with all but a few refusing to even acknowledge his presence. But those who stop to listen find themselves captivated by the depth of his prophetic voice and by the mystical songs he composes on the spot and directs at the listener's soul. Here's the video. That's her. Right? This is, this is the trailer. There's some language. Sorry, I meant to say that.
beings come from above point. The three of us were supposed to meet at this moment. One drop in the ocean and this little world. Okay, so Ronald, um, since then, has relapsed. He's back on the streets. And um, I talked to Natalie, and I said, I really want to meet your sister whenever she comes. And, and she said, well, this is what's happened with Ronald, and she's exhausted. She's exhausted. Why? That's, that line in there, you have no idea how much a little love, how much a little comfort can transform someone's life, can transform someone's life, right? And honestly... I, I was like, not going to show you this clip because of the F-bomb and the other cuss words that were dropped, right? But what do you expect him to say? What do you expect to happen when you're around non-believers, when you're around people that are hurting? Oh, this is, you know, like, I don't sleep here. Glory, hallelujah, I don't sleep here. No. You expect them to say that word because that's how they feel. That's how their whole life feels. And this kept tugging at my heart, and I'm like, what's going on here? And I realized that whenever they were loving and supporting just a little bit, they were releasing his gifts into him. They were showing him and reminding him, you are a son of the king. You're an image bearer of Jesus Christ. You reflect his image. And when I see that come out in you, I love it because you realize who you really are. I realize who you really are, and the world realizes who you are. Up from the ashes, your love has found us. How does his love find us? Through you. How did Ronald, how did he find that? How did that come to him? Through somebody who loved, who comforted, and moved aside, alongside of him. You know, the other thing I thought about when I was watching this was I was like, man, there was a day when Ronald came into this world just like I did, just like you did. He was a little boy, beautiful, his life before him. And somewhere along the way, his life got derailed. I found out from Natalie that his mom was who introduced him to crack. Now, where would your life be right now if your parent introduced you to crack? You'd be on the street. You are where you are because of grace. Everything about who you are, where you are, what you've learned, how you've learned, your work ethic, every single thing about you is because of grace. 
Because if God born you into the family he has, the time period, everything about it is grace. And so instead of using language like, you know, he's not the poor. He's not a drug addict. He's not a sexual predator. He's not a woman in prostitution or criminals. There's no us in them. We are all children of God. We are all equally loved and cared for by the Heavenly Father. We are all image bearers of the Heavenly Father. And we need, there's no us in them. We need to stop seeing ourselves that way. We need to start speaking about people that way. Because when we do, when we do, we make them feel bad. We make them feel like, why would I come there? I had someone tell me recently, why would I come to church? I really love people. I really want to love people. But the people I want to love, the church doesn't love, and they make them feel like crap. So why would I come to an organization, an institution that makes it more difficult for me to love people? I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I have to. I'm paid, right? And so, but that just broke my heart. That broke my heart. I'm going to end with this. This is a quote from Evil Knievel, Okay about Evil Knievel. It's the last quote from the book. In the words of Evil Knievel, I decided to fly through the air. I decided to fly through the air and live in the sunshine and enjoy life as much as I could. That might sound strange coming from a man who suffered more fractures than you have bones in your body, but I think he was onto something. Enjoying life isn't about peaceful existence with no alarms and no surprises. It's in the ups and downs on mission with the Holy Spirit. 27 years ago, I tore my ACL. They opened my knee up, and they said, you already have arthritis, Joker. Like, you cannot, you should not run for exercise. You should not do any sports where there is impact on your legs. And I, I, I told my wife, and, they, and he said, you know, you're going to have, be achy, you're, you're going to have knee transplants one day, it's going to be horrible. And I was just like, honey, I'm not doing that. I'm not allowing, I'm not allowing what he's saying about me or, or the fear of what might happen to me or even at the end of my life being forced to walk with a limp or to have pain. And I wouldn't trade it for the world. I have to have two knee, surgery, two knee replacements, okay? I've had five knee surgeries. Wouldn't trade it for the world because I've gotten to skateboard with my boys, I've gotten to run and train for triathlons with my friends. I've gotten to do CrossFit in the midst of people telling me, like, you got to stop doing that. Your knees are going to get jacked up. Well, my knees got jacked up, but I loved doing it in a place where nobody was a believer. I loved all the things that I can tell you that I got to do as a result of pursuing life and pursuing life to the full and not worrying about what was to come, but wanting to get after life now, experience the most that life has for us now. You see, really, this talk series comes down to two questions. The first question is this. Are you going to continue to live the way that you are comfortable? Surrounding yourself with people that are comfortable. You know, doing the things that you like to do because they're fun. Going on the vacations that you go on again and again and again and again because they just help you relax. Spending, the money the way, spending your money the way that you've always spent your money. Staying on your side of the tracks, continuing to judge people. You can choose to live that way, but you will be bored. You will be bored, and you will not leave life with a limp. You will live a long and comfortable and what appears to be a fun life, but you will be bored. Because Jesus is the author and perfecter of life. Jesus is the author and perfecter of your life and knows what's best for you. 
And he says, or you can leave this life with a limp. You can really go for it. You can be hurt. You can put your life down. You can sacrifice for the same people that I sacrificed for. You see, like Ronald, all of us came into this world with a sin addiction. We were all addicted to sin. And Jesus moved into our life and he rescued us. He laid down his life. He gave everything for you so that you could have life to the full. And how you spend that life will either glorify him or show the world that he's really not not worth pursuing or coming to. I want to leave with a limp. I hope and think and know that you do too. But in order to, you have to move forward and engage and make that decision. Let's stand.